Welcome back to the Empowered Woman Badass and Unfiltered Podcast. Your host, Olivia, here. And today we're talking about what it really takes to start that startup. What they don't tell you or what you might, they might tell you, but like you don't really want to listen to. Now you're going to need to listen to what uh, Susie Taff has today. Today I have Susie Taff with me. She is the CEO and founder of Scanties anti-shapewear dedicated to empowering women to embrace their natural form, reject unnatural beauty standards, and celebrate their unique and beautiful bodies. Scanty's undergarments integrate the comfort of yoga pants, the silkiness of nylon, and the breathability and hygienic use of cotton underwear that circumvent panty lines. Thigh chafe and muffin tops. Susie is at the forefront of the anti-shapewear movement with her decade experience working as an engineer and having designed and manufactured her own maternity clothing. Susie successfully launched Scanties in the Australian market in 2019 as a single mother of three young children. Definitely check for her links below. Go follow everything that's there. She's coming all the way from Australia. I'm so happy to have you today, Susie. Thank you, Olivia. So excited to be here and talk with you today. Yeah. So I want to hear what, okay, for one, you made your maternity clothes, which is super cool. What made you jump into the fashion industry? I mean, engineering is creative. It can be, you know, there's a lot of numbers and measurements and everything like that. But what made you start doing this? Well, the, the the funny part actually about the maternity clothing was me and my sister designed it and created the company where neither of us had even been pregnant or had a baby. <laughs> so we, I know it was a really bizarre segue. We were both at university doing, I was doing a master's of finance and she was doing international business. And there was a subject that we had to do to look for a market that was under-resourced and that could be entered quite easily. And somehow we ended up in the maternity clothing sphere. So we were only 22 and 24, I think, at the time. Potentially, you know, when we started the business, that's how old we were. So, and we were really lucky that we traveled a lot. And so we actually did this assignment basically in real life. I mean, we flew to Thailand and we flew to India and we flew to Bali and we flew to all these places to look at the manufacturing of clothing. And it sort of was born from that, which is, yeah, it was a really, we didn't really expect it to happen, but in Australia at the time, the maternity industry was really small and and here were these two young girls that we were like, well, we can make this more fun. We can actually make this fashion. So what we did was we sort of used my engineering brain to to make regular fashion adjustable into maternity. So I suppose it was a bit engineering because you've got to have adjustable straps and things where the belly can grow and and can everything can be adjusted and sharing elastic in parts. So what we did was actually made real fashion. We engineered it to grow with the body. So I suppose it was kind of like a science project, (laughs) which turned into a company that we ran for about four or five years. That is so cool. I love that you got to like fly to so many places and see, I mean, like, like Bali, for instance, when I think of that, I think not of a first world country per se, like I think of like a lot, I think of like people hand like doing things and using big machines wow what was that experience like 
Uh, well, we had travelled a lot in Southeast Asia already, so we were sort of used to Well, we love the countries. We love the Southeast Asian culture and we love the Balinese culture. We love the Thai culture. So we we knew it from a cultural perspective, but from Bali we actually went up to Jakarta, which was a huge cultural shock. It's a little bit different from the holiday town, but um, uh, then we drove all out through West Java into all the fabric manufacturing places and stopped at little huts on the side of the road and it was it was it was actually amazing to see it all and see how everything works. We actually ended up then going to China and this was China in the 2000, early 2000s. So this was before smartphones. This was before the West had really penetrated a lot of China. So um, it was a really different country than to what it is now. And that was the real eye-opener for us because everything was done in person. The Chinese, lots of other Asian countries, people speak English. In China, they don't. They haven't been taught it in their schooling. They it was a re, it was a huge cultural shock for us, and navigating that at the time, you had to do everything in person. People didn't have computers. They didn't have mobile phones. Like you had to turn up to each little factory or each little shop that sold fabric. Like in person, we used to walk around the fabric markets. We used to bring a uni student with us as a translator, <laughs> and so it was the most amazing experience. I love how like you've had such a diverse opportunity when it comes to fashion. So many people they'll start out something and they don't they don't actually see where a lot of the things are made, you know? Like a lot of like there are some like I know you're in Australia there but I I think it's kind of similar to here. I don't think everything's like made straight up in Australia. Like right, just like it's not made in America, like it's made in all, it's made in Thai. We've seen, we've seen Thai, we've seen Bali, we've seen China on all of our tags, but we don't actually get to a lot of drop shippers. They don't see what, who the people behind what they're doing. So I think that's so cool that you got that opportunity. Now, when you got to do this anti-shapewear, what birthed this baby? Basically, um, it was actually my divorce that birthed this baby. <laughs> it was, um, so I was working as an engineer in gas construction. So that is like big gas compressor stations that, um, so obviously Australia is really large. And these were sort of far western Queensland, like really remote, like it takes a day to get there, like far, far out <laughs> places. And when I got divorced, all of a sudden, my kids were really young, so they were five, three, and one. And so as an engineer doing that, I was a, I used to fly in and fly out. So now I had primary care of three young children, so I couldn't do that work anymore. And it was also, I suppose, what led me into my divorce was a bit of a spiritual awakening and the bigger question about what is this life all about? Like, what is our purpose? What are we here for? And I'd originally made scanties for myself about basically when we exited the maternity business, I I just needed something. I wanted something that felt like I wasn't wearing anything, but I hate having lumps, like bumps, like, you know, elastic that digs in and it gives you that bad line. I wanted something. So I thought, you know, yoga pants, you always feel great when you're in your yoga pants because they're so soft around the top. So I mimicked that waistband so I didn't get the lines. And so I've been wearing them for about eight years. 
And it was only a couple of friends that had said, well, how are you wearing skirt, skirts all the time in the hot weather and you're so comfortable? And I showed them. They're like, well, where can I get them? And at the time, nothing like that existed. And so that sort of birthed the idea that, oh, there might actually be other people that need this. And so when I got divorced and I was questioning everything, I thought, well, that that combines my love of travel because I would be traveling and fabrics and fabric markets and creation. And at the time, I didn't even know how creative you can get with it because at the time, content creation wasn't really such a thing. So all the photo shoots and the styling and all of those things for Instagram, that uh, I, I need a creative outlet. So I find that that really feeds that part of it. But it was also helping women feel good about their bodies. So one of the big things that they can stop is thigh chafing, which I don't know if you've ever had it, but it is really painful in the hot weather. And it also, it prevents women from wearing what they want to wear because they have to wear shorts or pants or leggings as opposed to wearing like a floaty, beautiful dress in the summer to walk down the beach in. So um, I really wanted, I wanted women to have the freedom to dress how they wanted to dress and not have their body hold them back. So sort of to support them in feeling that freedom, like our lovely thigh gap friends. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love that. Like our lovely thigh gap friends. Because I look at some people's build and I'm like, I don't, like their their legs are literally so far apart. And I'm like, <laughs> I wish mine were. Because like I had a baby in on Christmas Day. And like, oh, it was only when I was like, training for a bikini competition and super lean that my I, my thighs did not touch. Like it was only then when I'm like super lean working out two hours a day, six days a week. Like, wow. you know, even when I was the smallest I've ever been, cause I used to be quite an athlete at school. My thighs still touched my shakers. My thighs always touch no matter how thin I am. So, and that's sort of, that's a huge part about the scanty's messaging is empowering women that, just because your thighs touch and they might rub and hurt if it's hot doesn't make you any lesser of a human. Like you literally have no control over that. And I think as as women, it is so, I'm actually just digging digging deeper into this at the moment about how much emphasis we place on our self-worth with a link to how our bodies look. Like, I, and we nearly funnel every part of our self-worth into our physical appearance, which I just, the more and more I'm digging into it, it's like, is it because it's a tangible thing and we're so human that we can physically see it? So we want to, I just, you know what I mean? Whereas all of our other values and qualities are so, are not 3D object we can look at. Like I'm really interested. That's in my new sort of thing I'm digging into is why we spend, why we focus so much on our 3D bodies for us to link to our self-worth and how we feel about ourselves. You know, I uh, I was talking to one of my friends, and she lives in a beach town, and I don't, and my friends don't care as much about, like, how thin they are, but I'm like, then again, in a beach town, I can see that being a thing. There are women taking, like, diabetes medication to lose weight. Like, they're getting those injections. I'm like, I, I just, to me... I'm not going to put, like, I'm not going to go that far. Like, I will work out. I will eat right. But if, like, I've also been it to the, in the space where I mentally was just so upset with myself 
because of how I looked instead of just accepting and loving myself. But we're told through our media, through everything that really not to be just like, I think a lot of people, a lot of women attach things to their body image. I think it's also with money as well. Money causes a lot of stress. You know, these are some of the things. And I know you being in finance in the past, and then you being like, you know, at your lowest point and in debt and all of these other things, like that had to be really hard too. You know, like, I feel like some of us are just addicted to the stress, you know? No, I know. That's what I sometimes think. I think, are we just going to keep doing this? Are we just going to keep rolling with this lever of pressure forever? It's like, no, we're not. We're not. There's an end goal, I promise. With the financial pressure, it's really interesting that you mentioned that because I was trying to talk to someone and hers wasn't actually financial pressure. Hers was a different form of stress. But how I managed through the financial pressure in those, especially in those early years, was what I used to do, you have to compartmentalize it. You can't sit there in lack every day because if you sit in the energy of lack, you're just going to get more lack. Like you can't break. So what I used to do was allow myself like one day a month when I would pick up my lack off the off the shelf and bring it down and have a look at it and sit in my lack and work out where how is it going to rob Peter to pay Paul and what bill, where am I moving that $2.37 to, into that account to then move $5 over to there to move $50 over there to pay that bill. But then you have to put it back on the shelf until the next month when you're reconciling everything. So it's sort of like once a month you can have a look at what a terrible position you're in and the rest of the time you have to put that away and keep moving forward and sit in the energy of I can do this and and growth and keep chipping away at it because you can't do that with the lack on your back. You have to put it aside. Well, that's that's how I did it. That's how I managed to keep going through because if you you can't wallow in how little you have and grow at the same time, personally, I don't believe. I'm of the same mindset because I think energy is so important. The energy we operate out of is very important. It'll cause us to either stay stuck, it'll stay perpetuating the same cycles, or it'll cause us to move for- forward and keep pushing and striding. So I love that you shared that, like using the compartmentalization muscle for one and two, (laughs) the energy that you're operating out of. I want to talk about when you got your first order like that. Was that like one of the hardest times in your business? My first, well, it probably was the the orders like back, it was 2019 when the website finally launched Mm -hmm. and I... So I sort of, it took me about three or four years working another job. This was my side hustle, sort of trying to get everything to work, et cetera. And the first orders were <laughs> actually funnily also the day when I realized that that stock was faulty. And so I was like, oh my God. And that's when I actually hit my lowest point because obviously the debt was through the roof and this stock, this was the second stock faulty stock batch and I had actually sat on the manufacturing floor in China for a week watching them sew this stock to make sure it was right and perfect I know you know and I was just like how did I miss this but I wasn't enough of a specialist in the stitches so like the first lot it was the thread the tensile strength wasn't strong enough and this one they'd only use three 
three strands of thread instead of five in the overlocking. So it, it, can, it under pressure, it can unravel because they're shapes of a bike pants. There's a lot of pressure when you sit down, up and down. There's a lot of pressure on those seams. So my first orders was sort of bittersweet because I was like, oh, no, I can't sell these like they are. So, um, but if I wanted to jump forward when I actually sort of the, when the business launched, I had a, um, I, once I, I figured out a way to, to fix the problem and I had to slowly fix each pair individually, I found a fantastic seamstress who helped me slowly. So as my budget allowed, I would send her um, boxes of them. She'd reinforce all the stitching and send them back. So I sort of always had enough product to sell and stayed in front of the wave. And so then my, it was trying, I need to get this out there. I need to explain what these are. And so I thought I was looking at those YouTube try and hauls. So this is 2019 when they were like the big thing and you'd send them to women on YouTube and they'd try them on. I thought this is perfect because they can explain what they feel like. And they, because when you just look at them, they kind of look like shapewear. So I needed someone to put them on their body and say, oh my God, no, these feel soft. These feel like I'm wearing nothing. These feel super comfortable. And so I had sent them to a few people and I had one lady come back to me and she said, Oh, but I'll only give you an honest review. And I said, great, that's all I want. An honest review is perfect. So I sent them to her and she did me the most amazing review. She was, it was really awesome because in her voice, you could see, hear her surprise. She was like, amazing. And she was genuinely shocked. And she was, she said, I didn't, and she said, I didn't realize that I needed a product like this until I put them on. And she was from Western Queensland where it's really hot and sticky. And she just sort of thought that you just put up with a little bit of rubbing between your legs. But she was one of the, she was like, oh my God, your, your legs just glide past. They, they don't even feel like they're there. And she was just so amazed that she then purchased a pair with her own money. And, and she was only small at the time. She only had two and a half thousand followers. She was at the beginning of her career. She's gone to great heights now, but they were two and a half thousand really authentic followers. And so I think I'm, I think I sold, I don't know, maybe 60 orders or something. And I just remember the feeling of elation and that, that it sort of, it was one of those moments where, which um, it said people need these. And then, and then the people replying back after they got them, just saying, "Oh my God, you've changed my life! Oh my God, these things are amazing!" And that that moment was just so special because I'd spent so long, and in my head and my heart, that was where my belief was there. But now I had people actually confirming that what I believed was true. So that was absolutely amazing. That oh man, it's it's like a little trickles that you're given through life about like while you're going along the process to just be like this is like I'm in the right direction I'm making the right steps I'm doing the right things you know just keep going what are some of the things you told yourself to just keep going through this process well it probably does come down to a lot of the reviews that are like not reviews but the emails I get back from customers the people that I've helped, and there's um, been a few little areas which I didn't really expect to help these people, but transgender, when they have their gender affirmation surgery, I had a woman send me the most beautiful email about her daughter that was transitioning, and she'd taken the HRT, and so she was gaining weight in places she wasn't used to, and she said, and I bought her some of your pants, and they just helped her so immensely, and like, I'm getting goosebumps now as I talk about this, because 
you don't think a pro like I knew a product would help women, but to help someone in such a pivotal time in their life and to give them that support in a, to support their body in a way that can make them feel good in their heart, like just those little things that are little, like it is divinely guided. It is meant to be. This helps people. People need these. And it's those, it's those little people that like when I'm having hard days, when I'm struggling, it's like, but I know that these help people. Another area that it helps is women with ostomy bags. So if they've had a colostomy bag or, and so I've got, apparently I mentioned on chat groups all around the world because ostomates, they call, they're called, um, they can wear flatter fitting clothes because they can put their bag in, they're nice and secure. And and so that is also helping them make themselves feel good. Like I just, like there's, and also there's IVF and obstetric surgery. So anything where you bloat around like your um, reproductive area, those stomach, that sort of thing, they're great for because of the yoga waist. Like, you know, you put them on when you want to feel comfy. So it's that same premise. Like they can stretch two sizes. They go in and out with you if you're bloating. Same good for pregnancy or post-pregnancy. Um, for anything because they move they're not types like something with fixed elastic would be so it's all those little snippets of all the people even my sister who's been through so many IVF things she goes yours are the only thing I can wear when I'm like and she's had lots of miscarriages and she goes I wear I take yours in with me and they help me get through which is just it those sorts of things are just so special and you can I always cling to them in the times of when I feel like it's too much I love that. You know, you focus on the people you're helping. You take yourself out of it. You know, when you focus, you you don't do it from a victim mentality when you're at your lowest state. You choose to think about your purpose. Shifting from why me to, okay, I need to do this because of is a very powerful shift that you're making. And I appreciate you sharing that because I know it's it's important for somebody to hear. Like, I know somebody's listening to this and they're feeling like, I don't know why I'm going to keep doing this. Like, you know, and it's me, 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 I, 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 instead of being like, such and such did message me and tell me that this helped them. Such and such did leave this nice review and tell me, you know, like that, those, I thank you for sharing that. So where do you see Scanties in the next five years? Well, U.S., (laughs) definitely the U.S., but I really want to work with um, the leak-proof underwear as well. So I really want to get into the technology of that. And so I'll be um, working on some R&D, both for um, periods and for later in incontinence, LBL, those sorts of things, because I think that's another area that women really need support in. And um, and definitely with the reusable products now, sort of the, everyone's that we're getting rid of consumables in in those areas, and so getting that will be the engineering background. Definitely will really be exciting to get into the R and D on the fabrics and what is the cutting technology in those fabrics. And um, so I've got two daughters, and so to be able to create things that they'll be able to use in their future will be like that is I reckon that's definitely a major focus for us next I love it so you've got two daughters I'm guessing two sons now you have two daughters and one one son okay so you have three kids that's right and how what if what is it like to have a mom like you 
you know, them seeing you strive for, you know, and being an entrepreneur and everything. What have you asked them what that's like? I, I haven't really, but I do, but I do have to explain because sometimes I do have to go away and uh, sometimes I can't be at everything. So I do explain to them why I'm doing it. And it's actually funny. My middle daughter, she's got all these friends and they're all tiny and they all love the product. It's amazing. They come over here for birthday parties and they'll be like, can we have some, can we have some, can we please have some? Um, and all these tiny little girls are they're in their extra small holes <laughs> hanging off them like shorts and they just think that because they're so comfortable they just think they're the best things ever so I think they really my kids do understand my why which is really good and they do understand the the reason why I'm doing this they understand it for as why I'm doing it with them as well because if I was doing engineering I'd be gone for big periods of time in fly and fly out so th- this was a, also a it was both a passion and a lifestyle choice to be able to see my children grow up that is very important so many and I liked seeing that shift because now people are realizing the importance of spending that quality family time and having that balance in because I, I spoke with a coworker yesterday, actually, and she was talking about how, you know, she, when she was a single mom, she had to work two jobs to make ends meet and everything. And she missed out on a lot of time with her kids. And you're not going to make everything. Like, that's unrealistic. I just, even, like, stay-at-home moms, like, they don't make everything. But I think there's also a lot of pressure put on women that we choose to take on as well by like caring about the opinions of other people when it comes to how we parent and things like that because men can be gone from their kids for you know a week doing work or a few weeks doing work and they're just seen as you know oh well that's what they got to do they're providers but there's all this other backlash that women get you just have to choose me realizing this as a new mom I'm like I'm just not gonna accept that crap you know like I'm just not going to but I think it, you're also showing your children resilience. I think you're also showing them the, and a lot of people don't see that. They don't get that opportunity to see someone grow and build along the process. A lot of people, their kids will see them when they've made it and they're chilling. And they think that, that oh, that's, you know, no, they're, they're getting <laughs> to see you through the process. Yes. Yeah. And they've definitely seen me crying on the kitchen floor many times, <laughs> which is also good for them to see. Like life's not easy. Life is, and you're allowed to cry on the kitchen floor. I have a lovely little stool I sit on. It's really nice, <laughs> but it's sort of you teaching them to move through. Yes. Feel the emotion. Sometimes life sucks. And then sit in it for a little bit. If you want to just sit and cry and you, then you find those little chinks again. You find the little chinks of sunlight. You try, find the little chinks of why you're here. You give the, a child a hug, put on some fun music or cook something that you love or put some smelling can, beautiful candles on or whatever it is that you use to crawl your way back out of the hole. <laughs> and I think it's really good for them to see that. Like mum's not, mum's doesn't have it all together all the time and they don't have to have it all together all the time. But it's how you pull yourself out of that, that that is what the key is. I uh, watched a video recently and it was about a son that committed suicide. And it was because like he never saw his parents deal with their emotions. 
So he felt like he couldn't talk to them about his emotions. And, you know, then it was about telling his story. So teaching emotional resilience is a very big thing that that you might not realize you're doing, but you are in that process because you're raising, you know, little humans to be adults at some point in time and, and contribute to society. And suicide rates amongst young children have been rising at a drastic rate. And it's showing what to do with the hard, acknowledging the hard, feeling the emotions, letting them go, giving yourself, you know, the positive ways to get back, to get back right. You know, those are such yeah. important things that you're also teaching your kids. So I don't want you to forget that as well, because you never know how they're, how, it's going to help them when they're in their twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, you know? Yeah, that's so true. You're so right. But anyway, I just, I'm so happy I got to meet you, Susie. You're so cool. Um, I'm going to go get me some uh, scanties because they sound so comfortable. Like, and I don't just like buy things. Like I don't. So thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your time. And yeah, I, I'm going to have to connect with you again. Thank you, Olivia. I oh, know, but this has been fantastic. I've loved having this chat with you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Empowered Woman Badass and Unfiltered Podcast. If you found any value in this, please consider sharing and subscribing. Now go out and be a badass.